All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's October 29th. I'm Doug Norian. Over there is James Davis. And we are coming at you with a game-by-game breakdown for week eight in the NFL. It's the main slate here. FanDuel and DraftKings. So we're not gonna be talking the Thursday games or these late games. You know how you know how we go on this. We talk about every game in the main slate. We'll talk about some bets. We'll talk about, we'll revisit some of our cash game plays. If you listened to that podcast from yesterday, you know we took a little bit of a different uh, stance on that. Mostly around just running back and wide receiver and how we kind of were trying to, uh, you know, piece together some of the information that we're still waiting for right now. We actually did get a little bit, uh, a little bit more clarity actually since that podcast. So I think we'll be able to dial in things uh, to a little better degree. I don't know. If, I mean, do you, I, you, I know you saw some of this news that came in yesterday. Aaron Jones kind of comes in. Um, that was actually just kind of a big one. How are we feeling this week going into week eight? Uh, coming off a pretty good week uh, on DraftKings. I think FanDuel was right on the bubble. Uh, feel, yeah, feelings yeah. feelings here on week eight with a, in a week where it might be a little tougher and we're not getting some of those cupcake defenses that we've seen in the past. I actually didn't see definitive news on Aaron Jones, so you'll have to Oh, uh, I thought I thought I saw. Well, maybe I misread it then. Let's. Uh, I can look it up while we're talking. But the uh, I thought I saw a thing that said he was now trending more toward doubtful. But I will. Uh, I'll look that up as we okay. go. And if I yeah, well, I mean, nonetheless, it's still. Unfortunately, basically, it's Friday afternoon is when we know things definitively, and until then, it's it's kind of a guessing game, and sometimes it's even a guessing game after that. Uh, I feel really uncertain right now. I think this week could go in any number of directions, and I was kind of nodding to this a little bit in the cash game podcast, but the problem with doing any analysis, at least in terms of like big time lineup construction, is that like if you just take one example, right? So take Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Yeah. Michael Thomas's absence means that Alvin Kamara probably becomes the best running back play. It also opens up this crack for guys like Marcus Calloway, Traquan Smith, Jared Cook to open up and those guys being cheap opens up more expensive plays other elsewhere, right? So it's like this whole cascading effect. And that's just from one player. And so the way these pieces will interlock together is just a total unknown at this point. So that's why I think the Game by Game podcast, this should be a pretty good exercise in at least setting up the dominoes for you, listening at home. And from there, you're going to need to figure out, you know, when one falls, how that's going to affect your actual lineups my biggest suggestion would be also keep an eye out for our injury article later in the week and you just got to be in our chat room or you know talking to somebody because piecing this all together is going to be very difficult so um, oftentimes difficult weeks are where we make our money so it's not something to shy away from but yeah there's a lot of moving pieces here uh, just one more thing with that Saints situation. You got to add Emmanuel Sanders into it too. That's why I wrote in our cash game yeah. article. Is that like I, I, I just wrote a whole if or the if and or this piece because it was like all the there's so, there's almost so many moving parts there. We'll roll through game by game. We'll talk about all these situations. Some games a little bit more interesting than others. Uh, we start off with the Colts and the Lions. Colts are two and a half point road favorites. They're coming off the bye. Lions coming off that crazy. Atlanta finding new ways to lose things. Todd Gurley rolls over at the at the goal line automatically, and this might be the first time in my life. I was thinking about this. Might have been, or Ahmad Bradshaw did this with the Giants years ago, where the other team cheers when you score a touchdown because Gurley rolls over at the goal line, goes in, and then gives the Lions a chance to go back down the field and win, which they ultimately do. So Atlanta has really pulled Incredible. out. Like, they pulled out their like magic eight ball of ways to lose this year and just kind of shook it again. And then this was their new crazy one. Anyway, um, Colts and Lions. 
Colts, you know, there's speculation that Jonathan Taylor is going to see increased workload here. That's like the coach speak thing. Everyone feels like he should because he's so much more efficient than everybody else in that team. But they just haven't seemed to want it to roll it that way as, you know, they maybe they just feel like they're trying to bring him along. They are going to, uh, I think they gave Zach Pascal here off injured reserve again. What do you, is there anything to like here in the Colts? I feel like they've been sort of a, outside of the, like the one Jonathan Taylor week at the beginning, they've been kind of a fantasy non-entity this season. Yeah, that's how I feel about them by and large. Um, there's been some like Trey Burton buzz and stuff like that as well. I suppose that's worth keeping an eye on. If um, it looks like Mo Ali Cox might sit this week again, but even that, I mean, it's just he's just part of the tight end potpourri that's total garbage. Uh, no, I, I, there's nothing about the Colts that I can imagine playing. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, if he were like six thousand, I could think about speculating on it. But he's actually just done enough in his split workload that the price is pretty high. And I think buoyed off of high ownership early this season. You just can't assume that what a coach says is going to happen until you see it, especially if they have other options. Like if Naheem Hines were out for a week or something, I could start thinking about it a little bit more seriously. But no, I'm not. I can't imagine that this is where I need to try to find my DFS value here. Yeah, he got 12 carries last game. Um, Taylor and like Wilkins got one, and Naheem's got zero, but they were playing from behind. So I, I just don't really know what to make of the situation. I do think there's probably going to be a week. We just see a full-on Taylor game, and mm-hmm. maybe from a GBP perspective, if you want to try to guess on the week where that's going to happen, maybe this is it coming off the bye. But from a, you know, from a safety perspective, you really can't go there. And then the Lions, I mean, they're kind of the same thing. Like They have a guy in uh, DeAndre Swift who's clearly much better better than Adrian Peterson and they just don't seem to want to play him like so the lines from last week are Peterson 15 for 40 and a touchdown okay fine DeAndre Swift 14 for 116 and two touchdowns and somehow and with also four targets in the passing game and somehow these guys are still splitting snaps I'll never understand it I don't know they're the guys that get to see Adrian Peterson all week in practice and think that he should still go out there and get the same amount of touches short of saving the guy I just don't want to do now. I think we're probably safe. You don't have to worry about it here because Indianapolis is a good defense and plays slow. But uh, doesn't just like this kind of situation like make you crazy? Like, hey, you finally found the running back. Why is he not playing the, all the snaps? Like, I just don't, I'll never get it. Yeah, I don't either. I, and I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're very similar to the Colts in that way where it's like, I just can't imagine running these guys out there in cash games. I think Kenny Galladay uh, will continue to be the only DFS relevant guy. I think the price has come up on him as well, and I just don't see any scenario where I will be spending 7600 on FanDuel for a guy who's basically averaging a very consistent seven targets a game. Like, that just doesn't turn into $7,600 production with any sort of certainty. There's just no way. So He's always a guy I just want to give more targets, and he just can't because he never gets them. He just doesn't like get that, them. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's it. I've always looked at his name, and I'm always like, man, seven and a half targets? Like feels like it should be 10, but it just never is. And so um, I've made this mistake before with Kenny Dalladay, and I've kind of promised myself. Let's not do it this week. (laughs) Well, definitely not going to do it this week. All right, Patriots go in and play the Bills. This game is Bills minus four. This game started at 46 and is now down to 42 and a half, which makes me feel like I probably just need to check in real quick on the weather uh, here for Buffalo this week because it came down equally on both sides. The, um, you know, we saw Cam last week who looks just looked absolutely terrible. Uh, this Patriots team is probably pretty shook at this point. Um, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not, you know, the, the Patriots offense is so bad. I wonder like, how much we can even consider the Bills' defense, which has been a nutso thing to say about the Patriots in the past. Uh, and then you get the Bills. 
I think the only injury news here that we're probably waiting for is John Brown. That did open up stuff for Cole Beasley. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, do, are, are the Patriots at this point a team we can target against in DFS? Like guys like Josh Allen, guys mm-hmm. like Stephon Diggs. You know, he's my, he's probably going to see some Gilmore this week. But um, any th- what are your thoughts on this game? I, I, I'm, I'm writing off the Patriots. I, the offensive thing, you can't do it at all. So I don't think we even need to discuss it. But uh, thoughts on the Bills here? Because I think the Patriots are not your, you know, your older cousin's Patriots at this point. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots, I would say, are essentially like a league average matchup. So I don't know that you need to go out of your way to target them, but you certainly don't have to avoid them at this point. And I, I mean, at the risk of saying this about every single team, because I totally agree when it comes to the Patriots offense, I, I'm not sure I see a lot of value just leaping off the page here. Um, Diggs has been pretty interesting to me because like, he's a guy that I could think about buying a little bit low on because the target share has like really been there the last few games. 11 against the Jets, 8 against Kansas City, uh, 16 against Tennessee. It really hasn't turned into much production, though, which is actually pretty unusual for him. Usually it's the other way. It's like not very many receptions for a ton of yards, and you kind of can't rely on it. This year it's been the opposite. It's lots of targets, but almost no production. So like 48 receiving yards last week, 46 the week before. Like That's just not what you come to expect from him so I think there's a really interesting big tournament case there especially if you think that this is basically a clustering effect and that the downfield digs is what we're going to see returning here but outside of him I don't know I I I think we're looking at mostly big tournament plays right like the Singletary Moss thing I think it's basically a non-starter those guys are splitting carries at best so I don't know it's it's a decent matchup maybe a naked Josh Allen play in a big tournament but outside of that I'm not excited here either yeah the you know um I think if John Brown was out again you can maybe make talk yourself into Cole Beasley who did saw a lot of targets sure. last week um as like a just sort of a higher floor maybe not incredible upside sort of play that would be con- completely contingent on Brown not playing by the way because like so Brown played the week before but he they, they just they fully admitted that he played hurt so mm-hmm. um that, you know, and then they sat him. So I think he was starting to practice this week. But if he if he were to sit, then I could probably I could probably see fit to bump up Beasley's targets a little bit. And if you thought Gilmore was going to get uh, Diggs was going to get Gilmore treatment, then Beasley probably it does probably open up things for him. Uh, and we'll kind of have to see. I'm not actually sure. I got to check on the tight end situation. They had a full COVID party the week before, where every single tight end got COVID. Um, and I just I need to probably double check about how many weeks you need to sit out uh, with COVID because I thought. Was it full 14 days? Because all these COVID guys, there's no injury updates on them. Like Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders, Dawson Knox. And I just don't – do you know? Do you remember the rule? I need to look this up. Do you remember no. that it's four, seven or 14 days? Okay, I've got to find out because they're all on the IR, but I don't know if that's because it's a two-week IR or what it is. So um, my bad for not knowing that. I should probably just know that off the top of my head, but uh, I just don't. So we could be looking at another situation there. Uh, I, by the way, I misspoke a moment ago when I said, read the DeAndre Swift, Adrian Peterson numbers. I read them from week six. I queried week six but instead of week seven, by the way. Um, he was they, the, the numbers were not as disparate last week with, between Swift and Peterson. Still think Swift's better. Uh, still stand by it, but gave the wrong numbers for last week's games. All right. Um, new, sorry, uh, I'm all shook now because of the Swift thing and because of the COVID thing. So here we go. I'll pull it back together. Las Vegas goes in and plays... The Browns, this game started at 55.5 and, and is down to 51.5. Probably need to check the weather on this one as well. Again, Thursday weather for a Sunday game um, is kind of sometimes neither here nor there because it's pretty far out. But this, you know, usually when lines drop across the board, that is usually weather related. Uh, we did talk about some of these Brown guys yesterday on the um, 
uh, the cash game podcast. Still, still like Kareem Hunt here uh, as a cash game play. Might end up seeing him in maybe a little more on DraftKings. Really like the wide receivers too with Odell Beckham Jr. out now. Uh, uh, Rashad Higgins and Jarvis Landry. You know, could we be looking at it just a Cleveland stack in cash this week? Las Vegas, not a bad matchup. They have a really high total at 27, even though it did come down a little bit. Uh, thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt, I think, is a pretty reasonable option. He's been limited in practice this week, but he was limited in practice last week, too. And I don't know that you want to read too much into that. Uh, I don't know that I'm as bullish on the wide receiver situation as you are, only because last week we saw Beckham you know, go down, obviously, and just get the one target. But it's not really like anyone lit the world on fire last week, right? So is your position that just with another week of like a week of practice without Beckham, that they would see increased target share? Because both Higgins and Landry had six targets, right? So it's like, you know, I mean, Higgins winds up putting up the big yardage total, but mm, on six targets? And I don't know. I, I don't know that, I, that that's like a, ooh, like I'm going to get these guys in there sort of situation to me. Well, they, they run the ball a lot, which is kind of like one problem, right? They didn't actually, they ended up like not running a ton of plays last week. And so even though they were like hyper efficient against the Bengals, mm-hmm. they, you know, Baker had five touchdowns and only 28 passes. So like, what are the, now, now, okay. So there's two things here. One, 28 passes sounds like that, that much for actually what Cleveland does this year. It's not so far off. Like they only average like 29 to 30 passes a game. So, you're not going to ever you're, – you're usually not getting these, like, crazy outsized targets. I actually don't have these guys for all that bullish numbers on targets. Like, I just, got, you know, redistributed – Beckham was at around seven targets a game. I redistributed those to go about a target and a half each. I did bump up Higgins to, like, kind of take over most of Beckham's target share. But even on those rather limited targets they're still kind of showing up as plays John Bolsick because the price is not all that crazy and like I have Higgins at seven targets right now which I think for a full reasonable game is not crazy and he's I think I think it's too high I think it's assuming a lot it's assuming first of all that last week would have been kind of an average expectation game with Beckham sidelined rather than above average and it's assuming that he's going to definitely get an increase with Beckham gone which I don't know that we can necessarily go there I, I, I this, feel very this really strikes the, me I, as a classic like we assume that we know where the targets are going to go but then some guy that we've never heard of why I'm getting the targets instead like I'm not really worried about that part of it really I, I that part is not why not this happens every week it, it just literally happened last week with like the Saints well, and Traquan Smith and Jared Cook right well no because well, that, Yes, but th- but that's not exactly the situation. Uh, well, maybe it is because it's even be- it's even worse. They were missing both Sanders and Thomas. <laughs> this one, we're just missing a guy with a seven target guy rather than you know twenty plus targets a game. Yeah, uh, I, I hear the thought process, and I'm not going to have a great comeback here, except that like my gut tells me that this is a that the, last week's a reasonable comp, and um, that the, we could see the tar- the passes increase, and I don't have a good, I don't have a phenomenal comeback here. Um, um, so I, I still feel fine. I think on the price for Higgins p- playing him in cash because he's you know he's very very cheap on Fanduel at fifty five hundred. Uh, let's see on draft on DraftKings he's forty two hundred. There's limited downside on usually on some of these like even like Traquan. Well he doesn't he was not great like he doesn't he didn't murder you at these prices more on DraftKings than on Fanduel. But um the I, I hear what you're saying. I totally I disagree. That, I, I don't I don't want anything to do with Higgins in cash games. I think that like. You know, just on a basic level, two weeks ago, 
Beckham got three targets um, against Pittsburgh. And so, you know, that's three targets that need to be redistributed. I get that there was, you know, it, there was some blowout situation going on there, but they also had plenty of incentive to pass leading up to that. Higgins had two targets in that game. Like, I think these guys, receivers that come from nowhere tend to go back there rather than tend to continue to build upon their best weeks. I think six targets is, is probably reasonable, but I think playing I think playing this this team in cash is a mistake. I don't know. We'll have to. Well, well besides Hunt, you, I mean, you say this team. You mean the passing game? Because I think I think we can agree the Hunt is probably a fine. It's a fine I think he's playable. Eighty two hundred is a lot. Um, like he was in our lineups last week at seven thousand, which I think was was certainly the right thing. I think it's it's closer on Hunt. I, I can play Hunt. I wouldn't be like, ooh, I feel terrible about this if I saw him in the lineups. In the same way I would if it were Higgins, but um, yeah, I don't know. And maybe I'm maybe I'm being overly bullish on the loss of Beckham um, for what it means because again, you're, you're, you're we're correct and right. My my original statement was correct in that this team just does not pass a lot, and so when you don't pass a lot, there's just not going to be the target. There's only so many targets to go around at that point, uh, and so maybe, yeah. maybe I just maybe I was starting to fall in love with the idea of one guy goes down, next man up situation. Yeah, I like cheap. I like cheap plays. You know, I'm, I can be talked into cheap plays. I just they're so much better to me when we have like a you know a, a good counter example would be if Deontay Johnson were to go out again and Juju Smith Schuster were like limited in practice. I could think about playing Chase Claypool just because right. we've seen it already, right? Um, I'm willing to totally change my tune on this. By the way, if Higgins has seven targets this week, whatever he does with them, I'm happy to you know continue to guide that upward. But I just don't think we need to guess perfectly this week on this play. Uh, what about the Las Vegas side? We saw a week last week where Nelson Aguilar kind of comes out of nowhere, gets nine targets. We saw, you know, Dar- Darren Waller, who we've seen pretty consistent target share from the season, gets his nine targets as well. We, ta- we talked uh, extensively about Derek Carr yesterday, so I don't think mm-hmm. I want to do that again. I do, I do very much think Carr is a cash game play on DraftKings just because he's so cheap at 5,500. But what about this passing game? Like, you know, does Nelson Aguilar kind of fit into that Rashard Higgins thing of, you know, here today, gone tomorrow sort of thing, because we really haven't seen it from him this season. Uh, and then he just kind of busted out of the box. Uh, yes, yeah, the situation hasn't really changed at all. Um, we've seen Renfro be the guy who gets eight or nine targets. Um, the Raiders are kind of doing the thing that good teams will do, which is try to pick on matchups that are favorable for them. And that means that, you know, it could be Renfro one week, it could be Aguilar the next, it could be Waller's 16 target week, if that's what's working. Uh, I think we can see that it's going to be difficult to know there's like no real pedigree guy that's guaranteed eight plus targets a game here um, with a possible exception of Waller. I think at the tight end position, he's as good as it gets there. Aside from the one week where we played him in cash and he had four targets, he's been um, quite good as far as tight ends go otherwise. So I could see a case for playing him definitely in big tournaments. Um, the touchdown equity is really there with him too. Uh, even in cash, if it turns out that we just need the savings for whatever reason, I think the rest of the Raiders offense besides car maybe on DraftKings is kind of a stay away to me uh i did mention before i forgot to mention going back one game that i did like the buffalo bills at minus three and a half that's up to minus four now uh early i liked the vegas uh but then as i updated some of our inputs it wasn't as clear though i do still have a slight cover on the vegas two and a half but that one doesn't feel as good as, as the buffalo one um moving on to here to minnesota and green bay 
This game is Green Bay minus seven. The latest note on Aaron Jones was that he was just not still not practicing. So that's what I saw. And I thought I could have sworn I read something, but it might have just been it might have just been a writer speculating rather than the coach saying it that it like it might have been like, uh oh, might not play it again this week, but that might have just been based on him not practicing. So this is a situation we're gonna monitor. Uh, I think the easy the very easy way to put this is if Jones plays, I don't think he's really a play. Uh, if he doesn't play, Jamal Williams is a lock. Is that a fair assessment? Like he's yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So I think that's that basically sums it up. Uh, Jones is out. What Williams should be a chalk play uh, and would be a very good one coming off uh, a, a good week. We did talk or an excellent week basically. We did talk. I know, about- and Williams it'll be funny too because you you are paying two thousand more <laughs> than you had to pay for him last week, and it's arguably yeah, it's probably a lateral move matchup wise. But that's one where I don't want to be fooled by that. I think. You know, when you can get it, it's you're basically getting Aaron Jones at seven thousand. I think is a better way to think about it. Yes. Um, so you're basically getting Aaron Jones at a fifteen hundred dollar discount rather than Williams at a two thousand dollar premium. So, uh, and I'm I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And any concern that people had uh, going in last week about AJ Dillon stealing those carries? That I mean, he carried the ball five times, but Williams played fifty five of the sixty offensive snaps. So mm-hmm. um, they overlap snaps in this game. So I, I wouldn't even uh, I, this is this is not a concern to me. We talked extensively about Devonte Adams yesterday. I don't think we re- need to revisit that. If you have the savings, he's uh, a very you know clear play. If you can find savings elsewhere, um, we should have him basically as the highest projected player on the slate. Uh, it's just a matter of you know where you can extract value from other places. Um, and uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, like and people have wanted to play Rodgers here. He's so touchdown dependent, and the touchdowns have been there. But uh, mm-hmm. like this is typically not a quarterback that I want to run out there in anything besides tournaments. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, I think for cash games, the major issue I think is that it's it's weird to call a quarterback this, but he's like too passing dependent. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'd really like to secure three to four points in the running game. Uh, when I'm thinking about my quarterbacks, I think there's also a very strong case that he's just run extremely hot in terms of like oh, yeah. having 17 passing touchdowns so far. And those 17 spread into five games. Like, that's outrageous. There's no chance that'll be, that'll be the basic expectation going forward. Just the two picks as well. I think uh, I think there's some regression coming here for sure. He's still good, you know, like a great big tournament play, especially given that you get the obvious wide receiver pairing to go with it. But... Yeah, cash games, it's not a thing. Uh, what about the Viking side? Then looks like they're going to get Dalvin Cook back for this week, so no one needs to get fooled again into Alexander Madison. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, It was fine to play him that last Too time. soon. Yeah. It was, well, it was too soon for about 100% of the DFS world side. That's it, was like, why I, it was only like 70%, but yeah. Oh, really? Was he that high? I thought he was way higher yeah. than that. Oh, man. Yeah. Jeez. What, what were people it was not like seven, 75% something. How are people not playing him? Oh, um, that was a week where you could get um, – it was a Mike Davis week too, so – it was like Madison 75, Davis 59, and then I can't remember the third guy. But yeah, he was so he was he was still overwhelming chalk, but it just wasn't like 100%. Any any anything you want to see here? People want did want to play Adam Thielen the two weeks ago in cash. He was a pretty popular play. Uh, we didn't go there. It looks like he's going to draw some shadow covers from Jerry Alexander. So maybe that's just enough to say. Uh, and by the way, Jerry Alexander is the highest rated pro football focused cornerback uh, this season by like a huge degree. <laughs> it's like nearly 100, 100 rating. So I think that could probably, I mean, just from this standpoint, probably wipe, wipe him off. But does that like, can you see a situation where that maybe just gets funneled back to a guy like Justin Jefferson, who's been really good in his own right? Like when we see, you know, this wide receiver two, I should do a quick study here real quick about what wide receiver kind of twos do on against Minnesota. But um, when you see mm-hmm. that maybe... Thielen's going to get blanketed. Does it start to open your eyes to a guy like Jefferson? 
Yeah, it has been very interesting how, like, the inverse correlation between Jefferson and Thielen. It really is like Cousins just picks one of them at the beginning of the day and throws to them repeatedly, (laughs) And, and whether it's working or not, kind of. And guessing right on that can be a pretty big boon. I think that's actually pretty sneaky, I think. I mean, not that Jefferson's going to sneak up on anyone after his 35 fantasy point week last week, but um, I think that process could wind up being could wind up being pretty strong. Uh, either Thielen or Jefferson, if you happen to guess right on them, is going to be an excellent big tournament play. I think the downside to either is apparent as well, but uh, but if I had to pick one, I'd definitely pick Jefferson just with the price being cheaper, the trend line going in the other direction, and just, I think, the outrageous upside. Like, you know, he's turning... A few receptions into big yards, like oh, even yeah. in that five target week against Houston, the fact that he's capable of turning five targets into 103 yards, that's just something Thielen can't do. So uh, I think I'd lean Jefferson there. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, like in six games, he's a top 10, he's top 10 in yards. So he's actually a game behind a lot of some of these other guys. He's yeah. top 10 in yards. Um, he's got his top, he's among the very best in conversion rate, he's got a 78% conversion rate uh, through uh, his and through 36 targets. And those yards, like these 36 targets, are so far behind anybody else above him. Like, yeah. so these other target shares are like 60, 59, 70, 60, you know, 50, and he's got 36 targets, and he's up there in the top 10. It's kind of nuts what he's been able to do on his production. And if you think that that those targets are going to get funneled his way because of the Alexander thing, also unclear. Like that, like it's you know we we kind of speculate on this stuff. Jay Alexander could just shadow cover Justin Jefferson, <laughs> and they exactly. could just let, so it's like we all, we do have to speculate. That's why it's probably worth it to that's probably worth it to like kind of go back and forth with these two teams because we we guess a team schemes without really knowing what they are. But yeah, um, they rarely announce like, hey, you know what we're for sure going to do next Sunday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is our plan. They, you guys should <laughs> be ready for this. Like that's yeah, that's not a thing. So yeah, I'm with you. I think um, probably leaves these guys on the outside looking in for cash. But certainly if you're running. I don't think you want to run Jefferson like with Kirk Cousins in big tournaments, but if you're if you have the money available, swapping them is seems like very good practice. Steelers go in and play the Ravens. Um, the Ravens started here at minus five and a half. That's down to three and a half. And again, your boy with the early lines here because I um, we <laughs> we bet. Uh, oh no, did I get Pittsburgh? I got Pittsburgh four and a half, but it's down. Oh, to, okay. it's, yeah, bummer. I thought I had it. A, I thought I had a little higher. But oh, uh, definitely. But well, it's funny though because like in terms of our process, the the I, maybe I just was too slow to jump in here. It was like saw that as clearly wrong. Our system just sees Pittsburgh outright winner here. By the way, um, so took Pittsburgh plus one fifty five as well. The uh, Ravens are coming off uh, the bye week. Lamar Jackson has been anything but what we saw in his you know basic yeah. MVP run last year. He's been pedestrian if not i don't want to call it worse but um it just hasn't been a great situation here for lamar jackson to start the year he's way behind some of these other quarterbacks in terms of overall fantasy production are we just seeing like the shiny new toy is just not a shiny anymore do you think that they take the bye week and figure some stuff out to the rest of the league figure it out because basically everything's been bad right the, the rushing yards are kind of there but the passing is you know, incredibly inefficient this season. Sixty-three. Yeah, the passing has been pretty rough from a DFS perspective. He's still been fine. Like twenty-one fantasy points a game is still, you know, I think that would have been a top five total at the end of last season. So I don't think he's been awful or anything. But uh, yeah, for, certainly compared to what we were used to last season, it hasn't been there. And I don't think smashing him into the Pittsburgh defense is really 
where I'd like to be. Um, he's always going to be viable for big tournaments, though, because any quarterback who's capable of 100 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns in a game right. just can't be can't be off your radar, right? And uh, to use the parlance of our times, uh, this could be one of those kind of kitchen sink type games for Baltimore, as this game could decide, you know, whoever gets first round by or home field advantage throughout the AFC or something, right? So I think that Jackson is definitely going to be in full Jackson mode. I think we're going to see more of like a, a 14 plus carry game from him than the seven to nine where he's lived most of this season. And I think that increases his upside. Again, all speculation and the passing has been bad enough, you know, fewer than 200 passing yards in four straight games. Like yeah. uh, that you can't do it for cash. I don't think. Yeah, and the price hasn't really come down all that much. Like, yeah, with the, much. like with the, the twenty-one points per game is fine, but that's I think that's probably around middle of the pack this season when it comes to overall fantasy scoring. Keep an eye on the Mark Ingram situation. He might sit. I'm not sure it's going to totally matter if they just split carries between the Jackson, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins. And again, you're running it. You'd be running it into the number one rated rush defense on the season in the Pittsburgh Steelers, number two mm-hmm. overall in DVOA. On the Steelers side, man, they're an interesting team. Is Deontay Johnson just like a wide receiver? He had 15 targets last week. When this guy and he left the game, he left the game before it ended too. Right, like I, this is a this is a, every week I have a tough time with the target share and the uh, with these teams, right? Well, excuse me, not with these teams, with this team, um, in terms of like what the plan is. I think we can agree. Well, I, so it's funny because it was like a Chase Claypool thing, but that was because Deontay Johnson was out, and then last week they had a pass a ton against Tennessee, but. You know, Deontay Johnson gets 15 targets. Juju kind of finally wakes up and gets 14 targets. I just don't know where to set the target share in this team. Now, maybe we get lucky. The total is really low, and Baltimore's got a good defense in their own right. But, yeah, I mean, Baltimore's the number three overall DBOA team in defense. So maybe we just – are we just – are we gifted the idea that we don't have to worry too much about it here because there's just two very good defenses going at it? Because this team, this passing situation, and just like the target distribution for Pittsburgh just does have me a little confused. Yeah, there's a chance we wind up having to worry about this game because both Schuster, well, all three of Schuster, Ebron, and Johnson missed practice on Wednesday. I believe with Schuster and Ebron, it looks more like it's maintenance-related. And with Johnson, it's a little bit more serious because he left, like I said, left last week's game with an ankle injury. It's just you got to wait and see because Johnson leaving would, I think, make Chase Claypool very viable. Johnson leaving would increase the Ebron stock. I don't think we mentioned him yesterday, but he's definitely a guy... I'm considering uh, to playing in tight end this week if we feel like we can't afford Kittle in cash games. And it's just a lot of guys dependent on one another once again. So uh, definitely a situation I'm keeping a close eye on. If, if Smith-Schuster and Johnson both miss, then Chase Claypool could be like 85% plus on in cash. Like, right. There's just a lot of different ways this could go. And our system, by the way, doesn't think you should sleep on James Conner either. Uh, Conner, you know, there's he hasn't been... A sexy name this season because he doesn't really have any of those like you know there's as many running backs who have that kind of gangbusters game where they absolutely go off back-to-back week now 20 plus carries he had five targets last week against Tennessee he's gone over 100 yards in four of the last five games like he's still James Conner basically he's scoring a touchdown in four of those last five games too so he's just kind of chipping away doing his thing now he's sub 7,000 granted it's a tough matchup but uh, if it winds up getting thin at running back this week, I don't think you should ignore him completely. This is another game that started at 49 and is down to 46 uh, in terms of over-under. So, yeah, I should do a better job on Thursday looking up what the weather is in some of these games. Because th- this, is, this is one of the first. I don't know if it's going to be like a storm coming on the East Coast. I know I'm sounding Yeah, like this, it's this hurricane thing that's been just making it kind of rainy and nasty everywhere. Um, like up here in the Northeast, we make it snow on Friday. Like this is 
It's that time of year, buddy. I yeah, know. the only reason I say this, I, I rarely look at weather reports this early, which is probably a mistake. I don't bet a ton right. of over-unders at this point. I kind of just bet the the lines. But right. the um, uh, the but I've, it, this is one of the first weeks where I've seen just like a almost like a universal drop across the board on on, on the opens. Uh, so that's why I hmm. looked, did my old weather analysis based on Vegas lines, like a good degenerate gambler does. <laughs> Titans go in and play the Bengals. This game uh, has only come down a little bit. Started at fifty five and a half, down to fifty three and a half. Uh, Titans, I believe, have the highest implied. No, excuse me, that's the Chiefs. Uh, they have either the second or third highest implied total of the slate at twenty nine and a half right now uh, over the Bengals. We talked about Ryan Tannehill as a very viable DFS option in this game. Still, still on that. Talked about Derrick Henry. Um, maybe just you know, kind of jamming him into cash games. And I don't think you'd be crazy for doing it. Uh, this is they get one of the best matchups of the slate. So I think uh, I could see. I would feel a little weird if we went into this week with no Titans in the lineup. I get that math math wins out over all this stuff, but this is they do represent one of the best matchups here. Uh, any other thoughts on the Titans side? And then we can kind of get into the Bengals here. Uh, I think A.J. Brown remains interesting for big tournaments. The price going up is problematic, and he's kind of like a rich man's Kenny Galladay in my estimation. Uh, he should be a part of your big tournament you know, lineup construction probably, but... Yeah, for cash, it's just too expensive based on the target share. And uh, I think we see eye-to-eye on, on Tannehill and Henry there. Okay, uh, what about the Bengals here? We saw this is a team that's going to probably have to play catch-up almost the rest of the season. Um, they had 13 targets to Adrian Green last week, 13 targets to Tyler Boyd. He caught a touchdown. And then we're still waiting on the Joe Mixon news. He is still not practiced. It, I'm not sure, and you know, we're not, I don't think we have a lot of clarity around that situation. If you were, let's say Mixon weren't to play again, I'm asking you a lot of questions here at once, and I can mm-hmm. follow up on all of them. Would we be okay playing Giovanni Bernard as an underdog here? 13 carries last week, did have five targets in the passing game. He did not play every snap, but it wasn't like they had another great. Smaje Perine came in for a few snaps, spelled him, but barely touched the ball. Uh, what are your thoughts here, just on the Bengals' offense as a whole? Yeah, I think five-and-a-half-point dogs isn't enough for me to be off of Bernard if Mixon were to sit. Uh, part of the speculation, too, that Mixon might sit here is that the Bengals actually have a bye in Week 9 as well. So they could really—and they really like like Mixon, too. I don't think they want to push things with him. So if he were to sit, that would give him a whole extra week of rest. And I would lean—like right now, I would lean towards Mixon not playing. But um, definitely you're going to have to check in later in the week. You don't want to— it's a one o'clock game, so you should almost certainly know by then, but you don't want to be just smashing into putting in tons of geo lineups in your big tournaments, let's say, and, and have this one come out from under you. But yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to play Bernard at 5,900. It's again, a price increase over last week, but still too cheap to where he should be. Yeah, this one's close for me. I don't know. We have him at basically what I th- what his expectation was from last week. I don't see the rushing really increasing all that much. Maybe the targets no. tick up. So, and at that point, yeah, you know, twenty four and a half implied total is not terrible for an underdog. And they have been they have shown at times the ability to put up points. But when he's when I have him at the right, what I believe to be the right opportunity now, and he's not coming in, I just not sure what the scenario would have to happen for it to get into lineups. So that makes sense. Well, part of the reason he's he wouldn't be coming in now. It's because we're going to have other cheap plays, like kind of lurking around, right? And so, like you know, like for instance, if if Richard Higgins comes out of our lineups, um, well, you're just dying to get him out, okay? Um, the uh, uh, dude, I mean, he can't be in our cash game line, so we'll talk about this off the air, buddy. But <laughs> but it's funny because our our system right now actually is really trying to prioritize cheap wide receivers because it really wants you to play Kamara. It sees Williams as kind of a must, and then the 
flex spot is like negotiable, but a lot of that is pushing us in the direction of trying to play cheap wide receivers. So, you know, I hope it'll line up being like Marquez Callaway rather than, you know, Richard Higgins or whatever, but I guess we'll see. Uh, I will I will say one more thing on Higgins. It's much more palatable on DraftKings than it is on FanDuel. Uh, like yeah, at 4,200 on DraftKings, it's... It's I'm, I'm, look. I'm not going to go out and die on the Rashard Higgins Hill. Uh, it's not my that wasn't my plan for the podcast was to make it the all Higgins podcast. But um, I just just going to make that one distinction. Jets go in and play the Chiefs. Chiefs are uh, minus nineteen and a half point favorites, like we talked about mm-hmm. yesterday with a forty nine over under. Uh, nice job by the Jets this season. The, they are projected for fourteen point seven five total points. Uh, that is, yeah. is so. You're going to say we're going to not play those guys in cash? You think? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna play all of them. I'm gonna play, play, play a couple, like, sprinkle them in here and there. No, the uh, <laughs> obviously not the Jets. Like the this is just it's it's a joke of a line. The the bigger question I have here is what to do with the Chiefs, um, because obviously they have Nothing. the highest implied total at 34.25, and I mean, what's what are the odds that we don't even see some of these guys? for the fourth quarter because this line that we're talking about here is the once every year line that we get like this the, the you know for those that are just tuning into to nfl betting lines the minus 20 that started at is basically unheard of like it does it just simply doesn't happen in the nfl and yet here we are so what do we do with the with the chiefs do we have to just downgrade them like like a la the nba when the warriors peak warriors were playing some yes. crap team where we have to just give steph 29 minutes instead of 35 mm-hmm. like is that where we are with the chiefs because that kind of feels like where we are that's exactly right. Um, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case. What about a Le'Veon Bell revenge game, though? Coming off the bench, I kind of split touches with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and for him, man, it feels like he's got to be spending all week being like, Coach, you got to just, I'll pay you $100,000. Like you just gotta start me, right? Like you have to <laughs> start, start, start Clyde the rest of the season. Give me the next week, like do whatever. Like, but I'll, I'll give a hundred thousand to you and a hundred thousand dollars to charity. Like, I just have to start, and I have to get a hundred yards against these guys and Adam Gates, right? <laughs> like, if the, I, I, this has to be the conversation, I'm so intrigued by that. I'm so intrigued by what's going on off the behind the scenes here because this is the perfect. This is why he signed with them. He signed with them one because they're good. But two, he he only met with teams that were next up on the Jets' schedule. Like he met with Miami and he met with Buffalo. Um, was it right. Buffalo? Yeah, he met with Buffalo, Miami, and the KC. Those are the three teams he met with. Those are the three teams the Jets played next. Like it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, I mean, is that enough? That kind of oh man, I'm talking. I mean, it's, it's got to be a, it's got to be at least a tournament consideration. I'm not. I'm never a narrative guy, and this is like the one time I want to talk myself into the narrative. Yeah, you can do it in cash, of course, but definitely in no, tournaments, he will have, I think, higher ownership than perhaps he should. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is pretty funny. I mean, and also like, what what could he really have against the Jets? Like, he was the one that held out in Pittsburgh and took the biggest deal from a team that was obviously dog poop. Doug, I'll call them. Um, it's just it's like his own making his own bed, but just like the way athletes take it, you just know that he feels that way. So, well, he's a crazy person. At least, yeah. so I'm not. I'm not like saying. No, that he's I don't the, feel that way, Le'Veon. I appreciated all your tenure in in Pittsburgh. If anyone passes this on, let it be known that Doug Norrie at Doug well, Norrie was no, the one. Not, it's, it's not that. It's not that. It's that. It's that. A lot of athletes they sort of have to be crazy. Like it's, it's yeah. a little. Not, I'm not putting him. Yeah, in the those same those possible. little slights, right? I got you. I got you. It's like, you know, like you have to find all this motivation. It's why athletes are like, everyone told me I couldn't make it. I'm like, I don't know. Did everyone tell you you couldn't make it? Like you had to be the best guy in like at least your <laughs> high school and college. <laughs> like, 
like who exactly was telling you you weren't going to make it? Like you, you, you hear this way too many times from yeah, absolute peak point. athletes. So uh, it's just because they're just finding those inner slights. To get yeah, I got to say, like, up. I wasn't a particularly outstanding athlete. Nobody ever told me I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> right, because <laughs> well, they, right, they didn't need to. Like there was like there was like not a discussion okay, we needed enough. to have. Yeah. It was like, you're not going to Harvard. I'm like, yeah, no crap. Like, I, <laughs> right, I know I'm not going to Harvard. Like, uh, why did you even feel the need to say it? All right, let's move on. Uh, Rand, oh, I, I, never mind. I was going to talk about the passing game. Maybe you want to shoot for some upside because you think there's like some rare world where the Jets hang a little bit or, you know, Casey just wants to do some number pumping. I, maybe yeah, you could see like a, Kel- a big Kelsey game given how bad tight end is. Like there's plenty of worlds where he just gets two touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Like there are points here. Like just because you're not going to play the rest of the game didn't mean you put them up the didn't right. put them up before. So yeah, that's a good point. I don't think we need to write off. Uh, we don't. We definitely don't need to write it off. They could just there's a, there's a world where they could uh, they could just put it up before you know they could put up four quarters worth of game in just three quarters. Rams go in and play the Dolphins. Uh, we're going to get the two exciting here. He's taking over for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in in the bye week move. They come in as actually pretty. It's pretty interesting here. The Rams go across the country and play Miami. You would have to think that the Rams are just a better team, but this line is not necessarily a pick 'em because well, one thing is too. So there's a couple things. One thing is that you know the old oh pick 'em is minus three at home. That is really not a math thing anymore. For two seasons now, we've seen the mm-hmm. road teams just outscore the home teams. So you don't just get this. By the way, that that minus three was a real thing for like the six previous seasons, where it was kind of unlocked, like in this two to two and a half range, um, for just in terms of overall numbers for home team versus away team. But that just hasn't been the case anymore. So I don't think you can just uh, prescribe. I think it's more just like pick them if you think the teams are even. Uh, minus three and a half for the Rams, I found to be interesting. Do you think it's like two of love? Do you think Miami's just been better than people thought? Is this just like the right line? He's got to go across the country. I don't know if I see a ton of – I'm just kind of focusing on this because I don't know if I see a ton of stuff for DFS. Yeah, Miami's kind of a funny one to try to wrap your mind around because like if you just look on raw point differential, Miami's plus 47 on a season, right? Like that's yeah. really darn good. <laughs> like Pittsburgh, for instance, is plus 65. So – for Miami to be a 500 team with a plus 47 point differential, that's really difficult to do. And, you know, they have some notable monster games, right? Like just dumping all over San Francisco, who in their own right has a plus 45 point differential, right? Talk about the NFC West, by the way. This is a, a murderer's row of a division. Every oh, single yes. team has a positive point differential. And the worst is the division leader at Seattle at plus 31. Like, well, the absolute Not best so is when one or two of these teams don't make the playoffs, and like the Eagles do. Like that's going to be that's the real crime is when they just aren't when these divisions end up mattering. But, like someone from the NFC East who has six, who has six yeah. wins is going to make it, and then you know, yeah, it's it's, it's a shame. Anyway, um, DFS wise, I don't think you can trust to it. I, we just have no idea what they're going to run here. Mm-hmm. Like it could be a completely different offense. Um, he's exceptional. They obviously see something. I think this move is born out of. I don't think it, it's like they see that the Patriots are shook, they see the Jets are terrible, and Buffalo has shown to be not be like maybe as good as people thought they were at the beginning of the season. And I think they're making this move because they think Tua just gives them the best chance to win. I, I don't think, think so, too. Like- and that, that actually makes me bullish on Tua for DFS purposes, especially in big tournaments this week. I mean, he could be overowned just because of the buzz, but like Fitzpatrick was playing great, right? Like there's no, there was no reason, no, no in-game reason to pull him. And it's not yeah. like the, and it's not like Miami is, is bad, been bad, right? So like, if Miami were bad, he'd be like, eh, I get the new guy, the reps. So I, I think he just must be blowing them away in practice, and he basically yeah. forced their hand. And I think for that reason, 
you could see, I, I could see Tua being like an $8,000 quarterback within a couple of weeks, and it wouldn't shock me at all. But Look, yeah. this is a guy, and I'm not even a big college football guy, but I tangentially followed enough to know that this guy was a surefire number one pick, overall pick, gener- talk of generational talk around him yeah. before he hurt his hip. That's it. It was the injury. And that's the only reason he fell. Like this guy going into his, going into his final season at Alabama was – there was no doubt that he was going to be the first pick. It was like almost like an Andrew Luck thing in, in how clear it was mm-hmm. go, that he was going to be the guy. And he hurt his hip. And if they feel like it may, and Miami was like, he's not, it's fine. And so this, yeah, right. Like, I don't know, yeah, I think it would get a little lucky that they play the Rams. The Rams are a pretty good defense and they got Aaron Donald up there and they got Jalen Ramsey and they have some dudes. So um, maybe if it was like, like if this was Jacksonville, I think we'd be like, let's, you know, F it, let's do it, you know? <laughs> Like, like, let's just do it, and we'll just see. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, I think the Rams offer just enough. Like, ugh, they have a good, like a decent defense. But yeah, I'm excited. This like, this is definitely one that I'll be tuning into. Like, I really want to see this guy play in the NFL. Um, and I know we kind of like went off the rails there, DFS wise. But and we can keep moving. Um, our, our system did like Miles Gaskin a little bit, by the way. But I don't think you can trust what the, that the system is going to be the same thing um, moving forward. Uh, that they had done before. So I think we're, I think we'll have to play wait and see. And the Rams are just all over the place. Like every running back gets a chance basically, except for Cam Akers. The, the passes go out to everybody. I like, even with Higby out last week, it didn't really matter all that much. Like Munt got a bunch of targets instead of Gerald Everett. So uh, I'm really not interested in the Rams uh, really here from a DFS perspective. Uh, let me just check real quick. If I have a action on this game, I don't think, I think I actually didn't. Yeah. So this was a situation where, our system overwhelmingly like the Rams, but I don't tend to bet all that much on like quarterback change stuff because I'm just not confident that my initial inputs are going to be able to like currently reflect like what the new situation is. That's the same thing with the why well, I didn't want to have anything to do with like anything with the Cowboys or anything like that. All right, uh, Chargers go in and play Denver. Uh, let's see, minus three for the Chargers going into Denver here. Uh, that felt like not enough. I did bet the Chargers minus two and a half, and then again at minus three. This game, uh, the we have a forty-four and a half over under. We talked extensively about Keenan Allen yesterday as a cash game play. No changes there. Anything else to see here uh, on either side of the ball? I want nothing to do with the Denver offense, except for maybe if one of the running, if if uh, I think Philip Lindsay's out with a concussion, maybe we talk ourselves into Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. again. Anything to see in this game? Uh, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, I think, are a worthy big tournament combination. I think you can still consider Hunter Henry, again, in that big tournament, cheap tight end category. I don't really see a whole lot else that I'm enthusiastic about. Still with you on Keenan Allen, phenomenal cash game play once again. But he just soaks up so much of that target share in L.A. that it's really hard to trust anything else. Um, I will say Noah Fant is another interesting big tournament guy for me. He was getting the touchdowns early on. Then he kind of transitioned into more target share, but it wasn't as efficient. Again, tight end is just so bad that, you know, like like oftentimes when I'm using our tool to create my big tournament lineups, I will start doing limits on my tight ends. And I'll just be like, you know, if I'm calculating, say, 10 lineups with a given quarterback, I'll do like one Noah Fant lineup, one Hunter Henry lineup, and so on. And I think Fant is definitely worthy of being in that tight end carousel. Yeah, that makes sense, and, and and that is a good way to put it. The tight end carousel, which is just this random. I hope some one of my guys gets five targets. In they're all the same guys. Thing. They're all, right. all they're all Noah Fant, Hunter Henry, you know, Johnu Smith, all whatever. They're all exactly the same. Eric Even probably, uh, they're all the same thing. So don't fool yourself into thinking that you have it all figured out and that you know you want to invest one hundred percent of your big tournament lineups in one of those guys. Saints go in and play Chicago. Chicago coming off the loss to the Rams, where they looked absolutely atrocious on offense last week. Um, the Nick Foles 
thing was not the answer over Mitch Trubisky. Uh, it might be time for Matt Nagy to just really do an inner look because it doesn't matter who he brings in to play quarterback. They all stink. There was a really interesting thing that happened on the on the uh, broadcast, um, which I don't tend to tend, tune in too much to the broadcast, but even this one stuck out to me, where <laughs> Foles basically said that he, when the, the plays were coming in, he knew they weren't going to work. <laughs> Like he was like, I just because his offensive line is so atrocious, and he just like told. Is that bad? I think he told, <laughs> he told Brian. He told Brian Greasy like before the broadcast, like you know, in one of their sit downs, he was like, Yeah, I get the call. I just know I'm not gonna have enough time to like actually do that play. Which I'm like, Okay, this team is a effing disaster. I almost got the explicit tag. This team is an effing disaster. Um, Saints. I don't. Th- I'm not. Well, let's not go back to the Saints situation. We already talked about that at the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, I think we know there. I think you can play the Saints defense. Uh, Chicago's a train wreck. I bet the Saints minus four, and I'm gonna probably take it again at minus four and a half. Anything else here to see in the game? Yeah, not really. Um, just aside from what we talked about earlier, that cascading Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders situation, that's definitely something you want to keep a very close eye on. And until you know what's going on there, you can't really <laughs> plug anyone into your lineups, right? I, I guess I do want to talk a little bit about Alvin Kamara because we talked about him as a you know potentially the best running back play of the week. We saw last week he did pretty much what we thought, right? Where he had the 14 carries. He was very efficient on those. Eight targets, caught all eight of them for 65 yards. Kind of gets there, although it was close at 9,300, given that he only got 18.8 fantasy points. This is a pretty tough matchup with his Chicago defense. Are we at all concerned about having him be the guy we invest most in? Like, With a gun to your head, if you had to pick between Kamara with no Michael Thomas or Derrick Henry, are you like... 100% 100% on Kamara? Does it feel close to you? How do you feel there? Yeah, it's close. I, I'm i not... I do tend to think Henry is safer because the touchdown equity is higher. Yeah. And maybe maybe that alone is just the the needle mover or the you know the, the seesaw tipper or the scale tipper or whatever. Um, sure, the old seesaw tipper. We, you yeah, hear, like you that famous that saying, saying tip, the, tip the seesaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how all the ah, that tip the seesaw in your favor. <laughs> yeah, like you, like you heard in all your science classes and like your probabilistic classes and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like, oh, it's tipping the seesaw. Now, the uh, I think that's probably what ends up moving. I would definitely feel better about it. Maybe not PPR. Maybe it's like one of those situations where if I'm just so close on it and the numbers are what they are and it's we're down to decimal points, which we basically are at this point, that if we're down to decimal points, right. Okay, so this is a good way to think about it. We for On FanDuel, we have Henry projected for more points and Von DraftKings, we yeah. have Kamara projected for more points. So and maybe that's, maybe that's just it. It's just like, okay, you know, if the extra 500 on Henry is maybe immaterial at that point because – we feel just better about the touchdowns. And then on DraftKings, we just feel better about, you know, the, the seven receptions that we could get from yeah. Lamar. And that's, the, and that's the whole story. So, because we do, because while it's very close on FanDuel, it's not really all that close on DraftKings between the two. And maybe that's just the way we think about it. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up here. Final game is uh, San Francisco goes into Seattle. We talked about uh, Russell Wilson yesterday as a cash game play. Still very much on that. They, they've just had to give it up. Uh, on all, they've given it up on off. Excuse me. They've given their defense has given up to opposing teams' offenses enough that they've just continued to just have to just have track me like games. We talked about the DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett thing from yesterday. So if you want to hear our thoughts about the Seattle passing stuff, go back and listen to that. There's a lot of injury news we're waiting for on Seattle here between Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde. I think, I think Carlos Hyde did practice. Um, you know, maybe we get a DJ Dallas signing because Travis Homer. They're, basically, their whole entire running back core has injury tags. Yeah. Um, that is a situation we're going to need to monitor because that's one of those if this, then that situations mm-hmm. that you're going to want to be in our chat room heading into things. So I don't want to go through all that here either. On San Francisco, 
Jeff, okay, so they lose Raheem Oster. They lose Jeff Wilson now. Tevin Coleman cleared IR, but I don't. But I think that was only to practice. I don't think he can actually come back this week. And Jarek McKinnon basically just essentially sat all game last game because they told us afterwards that he was they were monitoring him for rest. You know, would have been nice to know ahead of time, but no one felt like giving that information away. What do we want to do with San Francisco? I mean, are some of these San Francisco guys plays, or is like still the fact that they just they have just an absolute conveyor belt of running backs every mm-hmm. single year? And that's like, oh, now we have Jamich- now we just bring in Jamichael Hasty, and he's our guy, uh, with Jarek McKinnon. I don't know. Seattle's giving it up to teams <laughs> this season. Mm-hmm. We have Kittle in our lineup right now. I do feel I actually do feel pretty good about that one. Um, any other thoughts here on San Francisco, or is it just too much of an unknown on every given week? Oh, man, it's getting close in the running back situation for me. I will say that the emergence of Jamichael Hasty has been a fly in the ointment for my enthusiasm around Jerick McKinnon because, like, you can have as many guys injured as you want, but if it's still going to be two guys splitting carries, it kind of right. doesn't matter, right? And so, uh, yeah, McKinnon, uh, three carries for negative one yards last week. Was that what he got as well? Yeah, yeah it's been it's been impossible to speculate on where all those carries are going to go. You'd probably be happy to do it in big tournaments. Cash games, it's a total stay away. And uh, everyone except for Kittle, I think, is is a stay away alongside that. So, yeah, it's all wait and see on the Seattle side. I think we also broke down the Lockett versus Metcalf thing last week as well. Yeah, I mentioned that. I, I know um, you're. I know you're. I know. Well, sometimes when I'm giving the lead into the game, you're kind of queuing up some of the notes. But I already yeah, gave that. I gave. Right. I gave that uh, situation already. Yeah. So I think we're. Uh, yeah. This is not a super exciting game. It's outside Kittle. And they even gave Debo Samuel three carries last week. I know those are like more jet sweep kind of stuff, but like this, I don't know. It's it's, yeah. it's crazy because I Seattle playing guys against Seattle has been the ticket to a lot of points in, in fantasy mm-hmm. this week. And I just hate when we get these teams where uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. All right, I think we're going to get out of here. Like we said before, you got to go and get go to dfsr.com/deals. That'll get you started on our premium package. It's going to give you optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. Uh, we have PGA rolling right now, too. Like we said before, NBA might come back sooner than later. There are negotiations. I'm not, I, I could very much see a situation where that is back in like sort of you know a little more than a month and a half from we'll now. Take it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Hey, but like, remember, half those teams are, haven't played in like almost a year now. So I, those guys, some of these teams got to be chomping at the bed. I know LeBron's tired. Give him the first month off. It's fine. <laughs> um, but it's all covered under one package. DFSR.com slash deals. And it will give you the ability to also jump into our chat room, talk with me. James, Chris, leading up to every slate uh, for NFL. So go check that out, dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy your week eight. Will do.